Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Miss Congeniality. I am beyond thrilled for the guest today. She is a best-selling author. She is a mental health advocate. She is known best for her debut book, Buy Yourself the Fucking Lilies, which you guys all know because I recommend it nonstop. She has another book coming out called Glow in the Fucking Dark. She has one bazillion accolades from her first book. And before that, she worked in TV, which I did not know. She was the VP of Talent and Development at Comedy Central. And obviously, that means I like her even more than I already did. So everybody, please welcome this week's guest. Hello. How are you? Feel free to introduce yourself if I didn't do a good enough job. Oh, my God. I I felt like a little blushy during your (laughs) intro. I was like, oh, that sounds like a cool person. Yeah, you're like, um, who's that? <laughs> who's that person? Um, I'm Tara Schuster. And yeah, those are all the things. That's basically my life story. Those are the things that happened. And here I am today. I feel like I know you because of reading the book. But I have to tell you, and for those of you who don't know what this is, when you're pitching any sort of like thing, like a book, a TV show, a movie, you have to present comps, which are just like comparative pieces of like whatever it is that you're pitching that would be a similar genre or give a similar vibe because it just gives like an editor or publisher a good idea of what it is and you are one of the comps for my book and so this is like very full circle because I read by yourself the fucking lilies when we started the proposal process with my book and it ended up being one of the comps that we presented to publishers so Uh, in a way I feel like you're I look up to you so much I oh I'm a fan totally flattered and it's so funny because that whole process sucks so hard like the (laughs) the proposal process is not a fun one um and it's my process was so I found it difficult it took me nine months to come up with like you basically you come up with like a 10 page document that explains to publishers like here's what it's going to be mine took nine months nine months of pain I wrote 100 pages and like I just thought no one was going to buy it and you know this was gonna be the end of story. So it's so crazy to me to hear that you used that my book exists. First off, blows my <laughs> mind. But second off, that it was a comp for you is um, insane. So let thank you for letting me know that. Yeah, no, I'm I'm obsessed. I know the listeners are obsessed as well. But before we get into like your illustrious career and all the things, I wanted to ask you the icebreaker that I ask all of my um, guests that I have on. I just think it's a fun question. Gets to know you a little bit better. So the question is, what is your fatal flaw? Oh, God. I spent a lot of hours crying about this this morning. <laughs> it's okay it's if like, it's like I like junk food, you know? No, let me just give it to you. We're here. Let's just do yeah, this. Let's, let's just, just dive in. <laughs> okay. My fatal flaw is that I am such a perfectionist to the point where it's actually okay for me I'm actually okay being a perfectionist in my own life but it drives everyone around me insane because they're like dude that's not my sense of urgency you need to let go you need to calm down and I'm like calm down you try to calm down calm down yeah Yeah. so it like it's gotten me where I am I think that like relentless hustle and trying to do everything with excellence and it might be my downfall because I can't let go enough to trust other people to do things. That makes a lot of sense. Actually, we were making fun of my brother's girlfriend because I did an episode with the two of them. And when I asked them that, she said it was like her incessant use of Google Calendar and like the need for everything to be so perfect and organized. And I was like bullying her because I was like, dude, that's not a fatal flaw. Like you just come on here and be like, I'm so organized. Everything needs to be perfect. And she was like, no, but it becomes a problem in my relationships because then my boyfriend is like, 
get a grip. And by get a grip, I mean, stop having a grip, like for once, just like let go. So I feel like it's totally a lot of times when we over perfect a really good quality, it can become a flaw. If that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, truly mental breakdown this morning because I hurt somebody that I love with my perfectionism. Like this really isn't like I went into a job interview and they asked like, what's your, what's your biggest flaw? And I'm like, I'm just too good at my job. Like, no, this like drives people who love me away from me. And so it's something that, you know, I don't want that. So I definitely am working on it. Okay. Well, that was a good one. Thank you for that. That, that I think a lot of people can relate to, but before we get into all of your writing success, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about like being a woman in television and entertainment and specifically in comedy television and entertainment. Can you speak to your experience a little bit? Because I, I had no idea like the breadth of experience that you had doing that. Like I obviously knew you did it because I read the book, but I really like want to hear from, from you like sitting in front of me what that was like because I feel like it couldn't have been easy. No, it couldn't have been. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. um, It's so, you know, in a lot of ways, I had it extremely lucky. I I worked at Comedy Central for one third of my life. um, And people, I became so identified with the job that people would introduce me, Tara Schuster, Comedy Central, like it was my married last name. Like my job was my identity. And in comedy, you know, there's like one show in particular that I'm thinking of where there was something like, 18 male EPs and me in the room and I'm like the senior executive but I'm also like early 30s these guys have all been in the business for a long time and it's this interesting weirdness of like okay I'm in charge of your show on behalf of the network I want to work with you all but you know one thing that comes to mind is I was once in a meeting with all of them and it was post-show and there was a rape joke in the show. And so they oh. all turned to me like about the rape joke. Like, did it go too far? Like, I was like, you can't figure this out for yourself. Like the thing you want my opinion on is just the rape joke. Yeah. And, you know, no one, a lot of those dudes really helped me and helped me in my career. And I, I got a lot of opportunities a lot quicker than my colleagues. Um, I think because I was such a hustler. So it's it's just wild because everything has changed so much. Like I even remember in before the pandemic hearing from a manager that the reason they couldn't hire any women on a show is because there weren't funny women. Mm. And that's, I mean, that's like literally 2019, November of 2019, real life really said, so there's a lot, there's, there was a lot of problems. There's a lot of problems across the board, a lot of good things too. But I just think people thought, they could like, I didn't, I don't even want this to become about this, but like they could touch me. They yeah. could, you know, like put a hand on my thigh and like that was okay. Yeah. And then it was just weird because I was supposed to be in charge. So it was like yeah. this really weird thing. I I often get that way. Like I, I hear that so loudly because I often get that way, like around any like man who's older than me, I always feel like naturally they're the authoritative figure and I'm not and I'm like a small thing that needs to be taken care of so sometimes when someone like puts a hand on me which I hate even women anybody I don't like being touched I don't even really flinch I just like have accepted that that's like okay and then I like reflect on it and I'm like that made me so uncomfortable like in what world is that okay 
it, it wasn't until t- sort of the end of my time at Comedy Central where I started hanging up the phone on people. Like if you, if you, I, I realized my power. I was like, wait a minute, this agent cannot talk to me this way. I'm just hanging up. Like, yeah, I didn't. It, it took a while, and I think when you're young and put in a position of power, you're also so scared because yeah. you, you feel like you owe them so much. Like I felt like I owed my mentors so much. So who was I to like say anything was mm-hmm. wrong ever? Like I should just keep it to myself. And really that is not healthy. That actually is a quid pro quo, like trading yeah. your self-respect for um, moving up the ladder more quickly. So yeah, it was it was tough. It was beautiful. I love comedy. Um, and it was shocking that some of the stuff you like yeah. hear, as, like an anecdote about Hollywood, it was shocking that some of it was true. Was actually true. So yeah. based on like those experiences, do you have like major lessons that you took away from having being forced to navigate a space like that? And does it reflect in your life now? Like, do you feel like you've reclaimed sort of like your power and your agency? Yeah, it's actually a really funny lesson that I learned. Um. So I worked on Key & Peel. I worked on it from the pilot, though I was in the digital space first, and then I became the executive in charge of the show years later. And Keegan and Jordan, the way they treated everybody from top to bottom was so kind, ex- mm. like an example of how any of us should treat any of us in any circumstance, much less Hollywood. And what I realized was that even if their show was on the bubble or the network had a problem with it, they always got what they wanted because they were had been so nice like the whole time they'd just been so pleasant to work with and so my major lesson was these are everybody's a human in your workplace the humans that um kind of advance the most are the ones that are the most giving and that doesn't mean that they didn't stand up for themselves and that doesn't mean you know if they got a bad note on a sketch it wasn't like they just rolled over but it was their general demeanor was just so kind and that's the biggest lesson I took away was be kind to everybody you're not better than anybody like truly everybody matters yeah I love that do you ever consider going back into tv or are you like I'm a writer woman now and I'll be staying here well Lily's I can't like fully talk about it but there was a tv situation and hopefully there will be a tv situation again I would go in as a tv writer okay but I kind of like felt like I did it. At the end of yeah. Comedy Central, I was like, well, I've done this now. Um, so <laughs> no, I awesome. love it. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah. No, I feel a similar way. Like I feel like once you drop into like the books of it all, you're kind of like, oh, this is where I've always met, where I was always meant to be. The day I sold my book was the day that this like I had this anxiety that was always itching under my skin the whole time I was at Comedy Central, even when it was awesome, there was something that was just off. And the day I sold my first book, it just vanished. Oh my God. Vanished. And I was like, oh, because this is the right thing for me. Like, I'm not like trying to fit myself into something else. Yeah. You're like, I feel better now. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a breath of fresh air. Um, Well, you kind of gave me the perfect segue because I wanted to talk about your first book deal and the process of getting that and like was this something that you always wanted because I know a lot of my listeners are aspiring writers and I try to bring on authors a lot because I felt personally and this is like no fault of anyone's except for maybe the publishing industry like there is no there's no guidelines for what you're supposed to do like I remember before my agents reached out to me I was like okay so I know that if I want to write books I have to have an agent but like where do I find them and like 
how do I get them to want to talk to me? And like, and then what? And then I have friends who are fiction authors who are like, well, I had to write a whole manuscript before I even oh, got an agent. So I'm worse. like, much worse, much worse. So I'm like, what was your process of having your first book deal? And what was that like? Yeah. So, you know, I always wanted to be a writer. I went to Brown for playwriting, actually. I thought I was going to be a playwright. Moved yeah, to me New York. too. Oh, literally? I started playwriting also. Yeah, at Michigan. Oh, funny. Oh, amazing. So you know this. So yeah. I like study. I'm like, oh, I'm going to be a playwright. I moved to New York. I'm working at the public theater, which is like ah. arguably, you know, the, the best, the best. And people are, you know, eating soup from cans exclusively. Like nobody has health insurance it's a mess. And I pretty quickly realized, like, I don't have this in me. Like, yeah, like, bless. This is amazing. All these people can do this. I struggled so much in my childhood and had so much financial trauma and just, you know, abuse, neglect the whole nine that I was like, I can't live this uh, with this amount of instability. So yeah. I went over that's when I started uh, working at the Daily Show with Jon Stewart was that was an internship that was just available. But writing, so that's just to say that writing had always been something I really wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And at Comedy Central, what I did was I kept writing. Like I always had a play in the Fringe Festival. Mm -hmm. I, you know, submitted stuff to The New Yorker. Um, the way Lilies came about was, you know, that whole book, basically, I was really successful on the outside, like, woohoo, I'm climbing this ladder. Inside, I was imploding. I was self-medicating with weed and booze and boys and self-hatred and just a disaster um, until it was my 25th birthday when I drunk dialed my therapist, threatening to kill myself. Mm. And the next morning, I was so ashamed and realized if I don't fix my life, I'm, I'm not going to have much more of a life to live. Mm. And so I realized I need to be my own parent. Like I need to step in. I need to stop the neglect. Had no idea how to do that. But, you know, you're talking about your friend with the Google sheet. I was like, I know what I'll do. I'll start a Google Doc. And I'll put all the questions I have. What are values? What are principles? What are vegetables? Genuinely, what are they? Which one should I be eating? And I'm just, I'm just going to make my own curriculum here. Yeah. And I did that for five years felt like a totally different person but that's five years of writing at the end yeah. of that process I had 600 pages so my first thing to any writer is live your life like which sounds um maybe that's not obvious you know in Hollywood a lot of writers they start so early that they actually don't have much lived experience to talk about and then it kind of like the well runs dry because most of writing is you're pulling from yourself, even if it's fiction. Yeah. Um, and and just write, like write, 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 write. The number one thing when a young writer comes to me and says, I'm not a young writer, I'm not like, you know, stepping into my grave. A writer. When a writer <laughs> I'm like acting like I'm so old. Yeah. Um, uh, like a writer will come to me and say, I need to get an agent. I need to get to this. And I'm like, well, have you written anything? No. Like, what are you writing? Yeah. So the very first and foremost is write a lot. Write a sample that's good enough for anybody to care about. Um, because the agent, the manager, whatever, they're not going to just give it to you unless you're in a very particular situation. They're going to want to see something regardless to decide yeah. whether or not they want to rep you. So you need a really good sample of in whatever medium you you want to work in and um I got lucky that my agent 
my, my agent was a friend of a friend mm -hmm. and she sort of saw some potential and decided that she would work with me on, for those nine months to write that proposal. So I didn't have to like go pitch myself to a million agents. She was the first one I talked to. She was into it. I was like, I don't want to talk to anybody else. But the key, I think this is like very hopeful. The key is to write. Yeah. You know, that's first you and know, foremost. I 100% agree with you. Like I resonate with your 600 pages so much because while I don't have 600 pages, I have like 3,000 phone notes. And when I was writing my debut, I was like, thank God yeah. I fucking wrote this shit down. Like I wrote down like a whole entire notes journal entry about how I went to this guy's apartment for like a fourth date. And he was like, you know, you don't have to wear that much makeup around me. And just how like fucking weird that made me feel because oh my God. I'm, I'm an insecure person, but I also like makeup as self-expression. And like, also like, it made me feel like he, I don't know, like it was like the weirdest experience, but like I had a whole note app that I would have forgotten that it was like years yeah. ago that, that I was like, Oh my God, I went through, I read every single note in my phone notes and like all my journals. Um, when I was writing my book and I was like, I am like in love with my younger self for doing yeah. this. Yeah. And I didn't even realize I was, but that advice I will now, I write everything down. Like when something oh, yeah. happens, it's, it's written down because I, I, I don't know if my book would be what it is without those notes in the fucking notes app, which sounds crazy because it's the notes no, app. It makes sense. Cause it's you, again, you have to live your life and pay attention to your life because those, all those details are what makes your voice what makes it unique to you? Like, why are you the only person who can write that? So yeah. it's a, it's paying attention to what's happening. I really recommend journaling for literally everything, for mental yeah. health, for creativity. Um, and so that 600 pages, I just, I didn't have to like make anything up. I just, I had written it all down. Yeah, no, I love that. And I'm kind of curious, like when you think back on that night when you drunk dialed your therapist and like had the breakdown, you probably weren't thinking like this is going to become my best selling <laughs> book and like my whole life. Like, do you look back on that? Obviously not fondly because it's like rock bottom. Like, how are you looking back on rock bottom fondly? But like, is there a, a sense of gratitude or like, can you speak to your emotions around reflecting on rock bottom when yeah. rock bottom is the reason why you're like so successful? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. And it's a complicated answer, which is I would much rather have a happy, stable family and have no book to write mm. than the opposite. Like I didn't, uh, I would trade places in a heartbeat with somebody else. Yeah. And this is what happened to me. And it's my own story. And I wanted to make meaning of it. And I didn't want to suffer in silence because I knew I couldn't be the only person who felt this way. And so I have found a lot of community in, you know, even like my Instagram or my newsletter, people are like, oh my God, I went through the same thing. Like maybe not the same details, but the like exact emotional thing that you went through. So for me, it's it's grief and gratitude. I, I always try to hold those two at the same time. I'm so grateful for this career. I'm so grateful. This is like the job I was born to do. And I grieve that I never got to be the little girl I could have been. I grieve yeah. not having a stable family. It's it's So it's both and. Yeah. And I think, I think it shows when you say this is what you're always meant to do, like through your writing, like even the first few chapters of Lily's, like they just shine. Like mm. it seems so, I don't know, like you were meant to hold the pen and write the story. Oh, and like, you. I'm 
I love what you said about grief and gratitude because I feel like a lot of people forget that two things like are allowed to be true at once even if they're polar opposites. Yeah, I basically from my own mental health being able to, two things, being able to discern between the truth and a belief really helped me like because I believed I was worthless and ugly and no one was ever going to love me and no one was going to take care of me and I was doomed at 25. Like I thought like my career's doomed. I believed all that. None of it was true. Yeah. You know, so over time I've become increasingly good at seeing the difference between a negative belief and the truth and then that nothing is black and white. Like even in a terrible situation there's stuff to be grateful for. Mm. Even in a like they're just all these things are true at the same time and I don't need to have a yes, no, black and white, anything. Yeah, I I love that. So pivoting a little bit to like you as writer, can you speak to your writing process a little bit? People ask me this a bunch and I don't know if I have something concrete, but I have preferences and it always cracks me up when people have completely different like times and modes of creativity. What is oh, your yeah. writing process? You could not have asked me a question that I would more love to answer because I <laughs> love process. Huge fan of process. She's a um, process girl. I'm a process girl from way back when. <laughs> um, well, my process starts with my environment. You know, like I have a little pink office that is perfectly suited to me. And when I don't, when I can't write in my little pink office, I have like a little go bag that has washi tape a pretty fountain pen, little things that just always make me feel a little more comfortable. Mm. Um, so I always have something that gives me comfort. And I wake up. So when I was at Comedy Central, um, I woke up and first thing I did was I started to write and I wrote an hour a day before work for like three years. And then I'd write all the weekends and any at night I wouldn't see friends. I, I mean, to get a book out and also have that full-time job was a little crazy. Yeah. Um, but now what it is is I wake up, I meditate, I journal, and then I set a timer for an hour and just do an hour of free writing. And and it's the same process. It's um a big Google Doc that I don't know where it's going, but I know I'll find nuggets in it eventually. Um and it's always in the morning though. I cannot write in the afternoon or nighttime. Like it's just mm -hmm. I'm stupid by then. I drained so always yeah. morning oh I like that I feel like for a while I had this pressure I think I read like once that like Toni Morrison would get up at four o'clock in the morning and write for from four to five every single day and I was like I need to wake up at four o'clock in the morning yeah. to be a good writer no. but I feel like everyone's process is so different which is like sort of the beauty of it it's yeah. like and I yeah and like just protecting it you know like so if you want to have a morning practice that means you can't schedule other things there. You have to like protect your time. You, you really, in my experience, you have to be protective of your process. Mm, I love that. And I guess then in terms of writing about really dense topics and like writing about trauma and like unearthing that, how do you get through that? Because I think even in my experience, like writing about the worst things that have happened to you, like even if you feel like you've made peace with it, you don't realize how like difficult it will be to open a wound again and again and again and again and again. Yeah. I mean, it's real. I, I mean, I, the way I try to write about my life is like a novel. Like I want you to be there with me. I want you to feel the emotions I was feeling. I want to paint you the whole picture. I really try to show, not tell, even though 
you know, it's like a memoir slash self-help. Mm. And that is really, really difficult. And every single time I do it, I have to relive the trauma. It is traumatizing in itself. And it's the only possible way to get it done. I, I had an author say to me, well, I, I could write the story, but I just, I, you know, those moments where I have to talk about my trauma, they just bum me out too much. I'm like, well, that's the job. Yeah. That's literally, that's, I mean, that's I don't know what else to tell you. Like, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's not pleasant and I'm always glad that I did it. And I try to treat myself mm -hmm. like, um, like a little kid recovering from surgery, like candies and yeah, now I'm going to lie down and I get to take a nap now. I, I just try to treat myself gently and, and remember this is not five-year-old me. This is mid thirties. Have my shit together me choosing to write like I'm not overwhelmed yeah. by this no I I 100% resonate with that and I love the treat system I feel like it's yeah. just a helpful way to be like I'm taking care of myself like I'm okay I'm okay like almost like coaxing yourself like it's it's incredibly helpful oh, yeah. you have to do that or else what do you have do you have like a I live by that do you have like a go-to for like your favorite treat or like treat yourself thing that you like to have or do yeah, it's always a massage. Okay. Like in LA, there are all these um, like Thai spas or Chinese foot spas. Like they're like literally everywhere. Yeah. So it, it's it's not necessarily like a fancy day at um, a fancy a spa. spa. Yeah. Though I wouldn't kick that out of bed. I'll definitely love a spa day. Yeah. But, you know, a more reasonable like, oh, this isn't going to cost so much that I'm really going to care. But, oh, wow, is it going to feel so good? That's yeah. definitely my treat. Okay. I love that. I think I always like get guilty with self-care sometimes, but when you walk away from it, you're like, now I can do it again. Now I can write another chapter. Like I yeah. care for myself. It's like yeah. a give and take. And my ultimate, like what I try to say to people about why self-care is not selfish. And it's like, if, if what we're talking about is you go to an island, Hawaii alone and you enjoy it and that's your self-care. Yeah. I don't know. That's like, I wouldn't say that's like for the community's benefit, but if you take a real um, accounting of your emotional wounds and bring yourself the nurturing that you need to get to health, you are a part of your community mm. and we are stronger if the whole community is doing well. And so the really uh, self-care when done right is always community care. It's, mm. it's, it's, you cannot separate the two. And so I really, every time I hear it, I encourage people to say like, or to ask like, well, am I a part of, do I have any friends? Do I have anybody <laughs> I love? Might I accidentally be acting in ways that is not amazing to them because I have some unresolved stuff and like, wouldn't it be a treat for them if I got on this? Um, so yeah, I'm just on like a lifelong mission to be like treating your mental health as precious is good for all of us. Yeah, you're so right. I never thought about it like that. But like, when you prioritize your own self care, then like your romantic partner, your friends, like any person that comes in contact with you and loves you on a day to day basis, like your relationship is going to be stronger because of yes, it. they benefit. Yeah, that's awesome. Wow. That just really reframed my mindset there. <laughs> um, so I want to talk about glow in the fucking dark and the excitement around it. Can you just kind of like elevator pitch it to us? Tell us a little bit about it. And how is it different from Lily's and kind of what you're excited about. Yeah. So after Lily's, I was on this good enough plateau. 
you know, Lily's is a book of rituals that I used to like find stability and contentment. Two things I thought were never going to happen for me because I, I grew up in this neglectful, psychologically abusive house where things came to die. And the only thing, like I exited my childhood just believing I was worthless mm. and I needed to do all of the work of Lily's just to feel like, oh, I'm worthy because I was born. Like I'm a soul in yeah. a body. That's something, you know? Yeah. And so I'd done all this work. I was the most mentally healthy I'd ever been. And I was unceremoniously let go from Comedy Central, just mm. like laid off top of the pandemic. Yeah. And it was a major problem, not only because being laid off obviously sucks, but because I had attached all of my worth to that job. You know, mm. it, it was look over here. I'm hanging out with Jordan Peele and David Spade. And like, I'm not a weirdo who had a childhood nobody can relate to. Like, I'm good. You know, um, distract, distract, distract. Let's not talk about this 25 years of complex trauma that I have not addressed yet. And it, you know, without the job, all of all of it kind of came out because I no yeah. longer had that to hold me together. And so you'd think I'd stop and reflect for like one minute. No. When, whenever I'm in a crisis, my go-to is go, 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 go. Achieve woman, like get more. Yeah. So I, de I decided I need like a big cause. It was the 2020 election. So I Googled, how can I help in the 2020 election? Basically, the first search result was you can register voters in Arizona. Just like that, I grabbed my Vitamix. I grabbed a bag of books I would never crack open. I moved to Arizona. I was like, oh my God, you were like, I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. I was like, peace, peace be with you. I'm going and I'm going to yeah. be important and really do something. And on the road to Arizona, I had the worst dissociative episode of my life. It was like I could see my hands. I could see my like shoddy self-done manicure and my rings, but they were floating above the steering wheel. Like nothing was attached to me. Oh. And I was like speeding and feeling really, really out of control. And I, for the first time in my life, it occurred to me, I need to pull over. I, I cannot overwhelm myself through my life. This feels like sandpaper on the soul. This doesn't work and I don't have it in me. So for the first time ever, I pulled over and um, it just so happened that I was in the desert so you could really see the stars shine at night. You know, in LA, yeah. it's like never. Um, but here, you, you could really see it. And I wondered, can I shine like that? Like stars come together because they're they're like mixed up and mashed up and there's pressure and there's nuclear reaction. And it, it's not like a pretty process to become a star. And so I yeah. just wondered if those stars shine, even in this bleak, bleak time, do I have that in me? And, and it was particularly resonant because we are made of stars, you know, mm. not in some cutesy way that I'm going to like draw on a mug. You know, it's not, it's not like <laughs> a like poster for my office, the carbon in your muscles, the iron in your blood. It's star dust. It is from the stars. And so mm -hmm. I was like, well, if I have that in me, like I know I have that in me scientifically, how do I pull it out? How, how do I pull out that shine? And that's what the book is all about is how do you find your most essential self, grow your most essential self, and then let it out, let it glow. I love that. That is so exciting. I can't wait to read the book. 
I'm so curious, like, what are the big differences between the two? And maybe even just, like, how you feel about them. Yeah. The, so Lily's basically is a way to center your life and give yourself structure. That's what I needed. Um, I had been so wildly out of control and just felt so bad about myself that that whole book is about stability and getting to, like, even ground. Mm. And and then glow is I was on even ground. I was the most mentally healthy I'd ever been. And I think for that reason, these dark things in me felt like they could come out because for the yeah. first time ever, I could handle them, you know, as painful yeah. as it was. Yeah, I love that too. That's really beautiful because it's like, I feel like sometimes when you're going through like a healing process or just working on yourself in general, the surface stuff is really easy. Like, okay, like maybe it's hard to extract, but like, okay, it's right there. I'll grab it all. But then once you grab all that, you've laid down probably like so much concrete over like the deepest shit that then you have to like become a bulldozer and like take all that down. (laughs) And you're like, well, I've been better than I ever am, but now there's still all this other shit that I didn't address yet. And the And the concrete helps because you can remember like, oh, I can get back to stable ground. Like, I don't need to be like 10 out of 10 anxious all the time. And what I really learned was to treat myself gently. You know, I think people want to rush through healing. They want to go at healing the hardest they can and reject parts of them. Like, I reject my anxiety. I don't want my depression. Like, I want those things to go away. And what I realized is you can't hate your way to health. You can't reject yourself to self-acceptance. You actually have to take all those parts of you and love and accept all of them. And that's the shortcut to healing. So ultimately, GLOW is about diving deep, doing soul-level work, um, you know, believing that you can and living a life that you want that's not just a, you know, for me, my life was a reaction to trauma until that point. I was just constantly playing emotional whack-a-mole, like responding to things that happened when I was five, you know, in real time now as an adult. And so I just wanted to free myself. I wanted to liberate myself from those past wounds. And that's what I hope it helps readers do. I definitely think it will. I'm, I am so beyond excited, but I'm curious from your perspective, like, when you're getting all of this praise and reception, like from Lily's and now, like, I'm sure it's like, you're anticipating that all again. How, like, how does it feel to have like Chelsea Handler and Glennon, like Glennon Doyle say like, I fucking loved this. Like I, I literally would fall over. Like, I can't imagine what that feels like. Yeah. Again, this is part of my meltdown today. It's almost impossible to accept. It's like, I never, ever, ever, ever. I'm like, wow, I really did a thing. I'm like, shit, I really need to work harder to Mm. get to like this next level. And, you know, that's a part of my fatal flaw is like, nothing's ever good enough. I've got to keep going. And I myself am really working on that. um, Because of course, like Glennon Doyle said about my next book, the first sentence of her blurb is Tara Schuster is a phenomenal storyteller. Oh my God, wait, what? On what planet does she even know who I am? Like, how is this, how is this happening? And I just want to like put that on my clothing everywhere, just everybody see it, you know? So I really, I go back and forth. Like sometimes I can feel it. Sometimes I really can't. But if I really could feel it all the time, I think I'd be 
the most atrocious friend. You would not want to hang out with me. Like the person who totally believes they're the shit is probably, yeah. you know, I think is a, there's a little something to having some humility about yeah. you know, all this. Yeah, no, you're you're a hundred percent correct. I feel like even like when I'm booking podcast guests or anything, like when you said you'd want to be on my podcast, I was like, why does she want that? Or like I have someone else coming on my podcast in a few weeks and I, I was like, I actually don't even think I can sit down and do that. Like, why would she want to? And it's just like sometimes you have to also realize like you deserve that. Like that she said that yeah. about you. Glennon said that about you because you are a phenomenal storyteller. And even if you don't believe Thank it in you. this moment, like she does. That's that's it, something I would remind myself every can- time I felt like shit. <laughs> That is so powerful because even when you're describing, like, I wanted to be on your podcast. Like, it's true. Like, I wanted to be. Like, if you can trust the other people around you a little bit to, you know, not everything should come from external validation. But if you can't trust yourself and the outside world is telling you, hey, I think you're pretty good, kid. You know, generally you can trust the outside world because nobody's nice. Nobody's, like, trying to, you know, like – pump you up so yeah on the other end of it like do you read do you read reviews in general and if you've ever had to face any sort of criticism or backlash like or negativity like what does your process look like for handling that well I don't read anything yeah so I th- no I'm, I don't want to read the I'm in that camp yeah I'm not I don't want to read the good. I don't want to read the bad. The only time I read anything is if um, the my publicist or the publisher is like, hey, man, you need to read this. Then I would read it. But so that's also means I don't know the criticism. I have mm. no idea. So far, you know, knock on wood, I haven't had like a backlashy moment. I mean, yeah. I think partially because I'm just saying like this was my life. Yeah. Like I'm, like, I'm not an expert. What can they I'm say? Not yeah. Anything. Yeah, like, this is just my lived experience. And I don't claim anything else. Um, But you know, I don't want to jinx myself. And I don't want glow to like, totally backfire. And I'm like, canceled. And like, no, 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 scuttling for a job. You know, I don't want to invite that upon myself. (laughs) No, yeah, that's not gonna happen. I just, I've heard like a lot of actors specifically I don't know why that that but I've heard them say like I do not read reviews of my movies I do not need to know like that is an opinion I did not ask for I am surrounded by experts on a day-to-day basis whose job it is to tell me when I'm not doing a good job like or whose job it is to tell me when I am and when I heard an actor say that I was like because I was getting so phenomenally anxious like to the point of that I couldn't even write thinking about reviews and then I was like why do reviews mm. matter? And then I listened to Cheryl Strayed on a podcast and she was like, uh, when the minute that I stopped trying to become a bestseller is when I started writing like one because I just stopped caring. It was just like, this book is the only yeah. book I can write right now and I like it. And so who the fuck else cares? And I was like, yeah, yeah. that's true. That's true. The, the way I feel when I'm writing, the challenge is, can I write to the top of my excellence? Like, can I leave it all out on the field? And if so, I'm really proud of myself. Like that's that's the standard I'm holding myself to because you really can't guess what people are going to think. Like I pray to God people like this next book, but I didn't write it with like uh, the desperation of people needing to like it in my mind. I wrote it because yeah. I knew it was true and I knew it was the thing I had to say. I love that. That's, yeah. I think that once I let go of, 
perception, it just also came easier. It's easier to be creative when you're doing yeah. it because it's just your story. So yeah, and when you yeah, totally. No, no, go ahead. Um, okay, oh, I was so I have to say like, go for it, go for it. Sorry, <laughs> I just like kept no, no. interjecting. You go, you go. No, 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 you first, you first, because I was really just gonna ask you some more questions that followers gave me, but I want to hear what you have to say. Yeah, just that like expectations are really not helpful for like I'm guilty of it um, in the marketing of Glow. Like I really wanted it to be successful. It's not even out yet. Um, and I want it to be successful and I want it to be these things. And I can feel a pressure on my brain when I'm thinking mm -hmm. that way as opposed to, well, the whole reason I wrote it was to make people feel less alone and to just show them they have agency. Just like you have way more power than you think you do. You can change almost everything if that's what you want. That's why I wrote it, not so that, you know, a reviewer in the New York Times can tell me if I'm good or not. So yeah. the expectations, I, I really try to throw those away too when I'm writing. Yeah, that's a good reminder for all of us in any field, doing anything. Just chuck the expectations out the door because then you'll blow past yeah. your own even. Um, so totally. I, have two, I have two questions that my followers gave that I thought were really good and fun that I wanted to ask you. Um, and so the first one is, do you ever or have you ever throughout this whole process ever found or find yourself straying from your own advice? And what do you do to like get back with it? If so. Oh, yeah. Constantly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, I get lost all the time. I lose self-care habits. I start thinking I suck. I act in a way that has no gratitude at all. But the thing is, like, you don't need a perfect score in self-care. Like, nobody's asking that of you. And you can't win at, you know, being the best at your mental health. And part of the process is getting lost. Because every time you get lost and you realize, ha-ha, the reason this whole week is sucking is because I'm not journaling, and you get found, that becomes – it just becomes easier and easier and easier. Mm -hmm. So the difference between then and now is – yeah, I get lost from time to time. I don't criticize myself about it. That's just part of the process. And I can easily come back to my habits. Um, whereas before, you know, I would criticize myself and then it would take longer to start doing it and just feel a lot of um, negativity about it. Also, when your habits are like scripture, like yours are, or like when your methods are like that, when like you know them so deeply, when you fall off of the horse, it's not like the horse like ran 25 miles away. Like it's probably just around the corner. Totally. And totally. so it's more and to have tangible. patience with yourself. Totally. Yeah. That's great. So the second one is who are you outside of your books? Like I, and I loved this question because I want to know like, what is like your favorite thing to do? Like, what are your guilty pleasures? Like, what is your favorite food? Like, what kind of stuff do you do on the weekends? Like, who are you outside of these books? Because we love these books. We love you as a writer, but we also love you as a person. Oh, that's it's so it's a great question because I'm definitely showing you like one side of me, you know, in the books. Mm -hmm. um, I love hiking. I love being in nature. Uh, trees are my favorite people of all time. So. I was in Seattle doing a speaking gig and I was just like, I've got to be in a forest. <laughs> so I found like a ferry that could take me to an island where I could just be alone with a bunch of moss. Like yeah. that's r really where I feel my best is in nature. And 
at the same time, I want a diamond collar necklace. Like, I am both those things all the time. Um, And I would say that maybe one thing that's not obvious is, like, what a romantic I am and, like, what a, like – because I'm usually pretty cynical about trying anything and I think it's going to be BS and it's not going to work for me. Like, that's my factory setting is cynicism. And I'm, like, super optimistic and want to find love and really want to love my friends. And and that's the kind of thing that fills up my cup. Yeah, that's – I feel like also that just makes you – like, even just telling me that you love being outside, like, now I picture, like, such a different, like, piece of who you are. Yeah, yeah, and it's definitely – grown too like now I like I started off as a hardcore indoor kid so the fact that I went to an island to chill with moss surprising to me yeah you surprised yourself yeah do you have favorite books tv shows movies things that you come back to that are your all-time favorites yes since since you said you have a lot of writers who listen uh Julia Cameron's The Artist Way is the Number one reason I was able to write any book whatsoever is a 12-step program towards recapturing your creative self for people who had been told, you're not allowed to write. You'll be poor if you write or any kind of art, any artistic endeavor. Um, That book gave me such healing, so many tools, and that's how I began was by doing that book. I've done that book like six times. It's it's a workbook. Um, So that's my number one. Everybody should read it and do it. My number two would actually be Cheryl Strayed, Tiny Beautiful Things. It's the which, best book uh, on the planet of the whole world on Oh, Earth. my God. It's In incredible. Every, like, I am actually obsessed with her, like, to a point where, like, when she followed me on Instagram, one time I was talking about um, on my podcast that she followed me on Instagram, and I was like, wait, I don't check if she still follows me. Like, it's been a year now, and I have my listeners check. I'll be like, guys, yeah. check. But I'm like, but don't tell me if she unfollowed me. me. Just let me know if she still does. Because, like, I can't look. Like, I literally can't look. Like, I do not want to know if she unfollowed me. And if she did, all due respect, like, I would probably unfollow me too. But, like, I can't – I literally can't look. Like, I refuse to check if she still follows me because it would be the most devastating because it was the happiest moment of my life when she followed me on Instagram. That like, is truly. an amazing follow. Wow. I'm obsessed with her. And I DM'd her whenever I was, like, going through my, like – struggles about perception with my book and she responded and it's like my phone screensaver it's her like dm holy moly i feel like i've dm'd her and gotten nothing she one time liked something that i had on my gram and that was like one of the highlights of my life yeah no it's it's really was out of body like i just dm'd her saying i listened to the podcast and like what she said like completely changed my perspective on writing my first book and she responded and said keep going you can do it dear heart i know you can and i was literally like i can do it i'll be fine (laughs) but yeah no she that book is like straight said so yeah i'm like since she said it that book is like the best book it's i give it i gift it to people whenever someone's going through something i'll find like one of the columns that like really spoke to me and be like you have to read this absolutely yeah it's a beautiful book well can you tell everybody where they can find you how they can get their hands on this new book and what we should look out for what's coming next yeah so the book is sold everywhere books are available target amazon your local indie um this episode will come out before the book comes out, right? Tomorrow. It, yeah, we're yeah. we're so, pushing it for my 
Yeah. Um, so <laughs> if you buy it, <laughs> if you buy the book before it comes out, you also get a free journal. And this Ooh. journal is dope. I, I know it's good. Like I'd never know uh, if I, what I do is good. And I'm like, this is really good. Wait, no, um, I need the journal. I, I will get you the journal. Um, because I feel so. like during Lily's, I was like, I need a journal for this. And it's my life goal to write a real journal. Um, But this was the like random house was like, okay, you can write this journal. And I was like, oh my God, yes. So I've poured so much into this journal, but so you can get it for free. Um, And the details of that are like all over my Instagram, which is like in the bio, which is uh, just Tara Schuster. And if you want to like talk to me, it's the best way to reach me is through my newsletter, which is way more of a community. And um, that's just, you go to my website, taraschuster.com, sign on up um, and we'll start talking. Well, thank you so much for doing this, for sharing with us. You're so smart. You're so lovely. Like I am just so excited to read this book and I can't wait for all the success to come. Oh, you're so kind. And this is the, I'm almost like you came at the perfect moment. Today was a total nightmare. So to hear your ray of light. I'm so happy. So thank you. I'm so glad I could share that with you. I know everyone's just going to be obsessed with this episode. I got so many DMs saying that your book is like my followers Bible and you've Mm -hmm. like led them out of such dark times. So I think just being able to walk through the world, knowing that like you even changed one person's life is so special. And you're definitely doing that. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And it changes my life because I feel less alone. That's like the beautiful thing is it's like a never ending circle. It's just like a beautiful circle of love. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And we will talk to you soon. Yeah. Um, Thank you for having me. Bye, guys.